Well, 10 years, it's, in some senses, it seems like a long time. In some senses, it seems like yesterday. And there's a few things that have changed in the last 10 years. Number one, I have a lot more gray hair today than I did 10 years ago. I was looking at some pictures, and it was like my hair was just pretty, pretty much completely brown when we started. So I got a lot more gray hair, but our culture has changed a little bit as well. I remember the, the, the movie that was the pop, most popular movie when the church opened, or shortly after the church opened, was Frozen. That was a top-grossing movie, 2013, followed by Iron Man 3. The uh, iPhone 5S and 5C came out. Remember that iPhone that was like the colored one that was plastic that broke after like five minutes? That had just come out. There was a couple new words that were added to the dictionary. Twerking. Twerking was added to the dictionary in 2013, and the world is such a better place because of that. <laughs> selfie. It was the year, uh, the Oxford Dictionary said it was the year of the selfie. Remember those sticks that you, you walk around with, take selfies? Some of us still do that. Selfie was another word of the year in 2013. And then 10 years ago, September 15, 2013, I Hope Community Church opened our doors for the very first time. And today, I know some of us have heard part of our story, but I'd like to kind of talk about some elements of our story, because I think as we look, about, look to our future and maybe the next five or ten or however long God has us here in North Tonawanda, I think it's important that we understand our past. So again, it started September 15, 2013, but the preparations for that began much, much earlier. When I was in seminary, I felt like God was calling me to ministry and specifically to plant a church uh, near my hometown. After I graduated from seminary, I started a process of just kind of discerning what is the next step that God has for me. And I'm asking this question that kind of came up over and over again, and the question was, God, where are we headed? Where are we headed? And so I investigated a lot of different possibilities. I wasn't sure if I was going to plan a church right away or if it was going to be further down the road, and so I thought about a lot of different things. And I remember one day as I was just kind of praying through all of this, I remember opening up a map and looking at churches, uh, areas in western New York, and areas that didn't have a lot of churches that were preaching the gospel. And the place that stuck out was North Tonawanda. And so at that point, I wasn't like, oh, hey, I'm going to go plant a church. I was just kind of asking God that question, where are we headed here? Like, is this where you'd have me plant a church? And so I talked to some other people in, in church circles and, and, and got advice and had them just kind of think through it with me. And they're like, yeah, this is a place that needs a church. And so I'm not committing to it. I'm just kind of taking steps forward. Like, what would it look like for me to plant a church in North Tonawanda? And so I looked at finding a place to, to meet. So I looked at renting a couple buildings, and um, they were very expensive, didn't find kind of a right fit. I looked at different buildings to purchase. There were a number of different churches that were for sale at that time, uh, old church buildings. None of them worked out. And then I remember this, this building on Thompson Street came for sale. And I remember walking in the doors that first day, the first time I had seen it, I'm like, this is a place, this, this place could work. But they were asking a lot of money. And at this time, uh, my church planning was, team was me and my mom and dad. That was our church planning team. That was our children's ministry. That was our worship team. That was our funding. That's us. It's just us. So we can't afford this building. And so time went on, and, and, and I'm like, okay, God, like if, if you want me to plant a church in North Tonawanda, you're going to have to do something. Like, God, where are we headed here? Like, I can't plant a church, and, and, and I can't meet together with people if I don't have somewhere to meet. 
And so time went by, and then um, the church, that church on Thompson Street kind of sat on the market for a little bit. And so the real estate agent calls us up and says, hey, I think you should just kind of put in an offer um, maybe write them a letter. The, the people who owned it, it was a Lutheran Brethren denomination. Write them a letter, put in a low offer, whatever you can afford, see what happens. And, and so we did that, and they ended up uh, selling us the church and the parsonage for $140,000, which, you know, incredibly low amount for that building. But that was still $140,000. It was a lot of money. And again, we don't have any, you know, outside funding or anything, but we were able to get uh, a mortgage to, to, to purchase that building. Then after that, I remember having a house, house inspection, and they did a church inspection as well. I remember them going through both of the buildings and both the church and the parsonage. They needed new roofs. They went through the, the different areas, and just about everywhere in the, in the church needed new windows, the whole church. I remember them going through the house, and they had one of those sheets. If you ever got, had a home inspection done, you know, sometimes they'll have a book or a little sheet. I remember looking at that sheet, and it was like everything that needs to be replaced. The roof, the electrical, just cosmetic things, the windows, like there's so much to do. And at that point, I'm thinking, maybe I'm in over my head here. Don't have any people. Don't have any money. Just have a dream. I'm like, God... Where are we headed? Are we in over our head? And I ended up going forward with it. And in that process, I started to gather this small launch team. And as I gathered the launch team together, there was one piece of the puzzle that was really important that was missing. We didn't have a worship leader. And I'm thinking, like, okay, God, where are we headed with this? Like, this is really important. Nobody wants me to lead worship at this new church. And I investigated a lot of different possibilities and just kind of reached, got you know, the word out to anyone I could possibly think of, and nothing panned out. And then just before, I think it was like the end of June of 2013, I met this guy named Joel Dibble, and I met with him. He hadn't really led worship very much before that. And he's like, yeah, I want to be a part of this. And the rest is history. So I got this launch team. I got a worship leader. Um, Another thing I was looking for, I was looking for someone to do ministry with. I was looking for uh, someone to, to, to carry this burden with me. I didn't even have a girlfriend at that time, and I'm like, okay, God. And I actually prayed. I, I have it in, in, in my diary. I you know, prayed, God, if it be your will that I'd find someone before church open. And I was willing. I'm like, if I have to do ministry alone, that's fine. But I'm like, God, if, if you can provide this, it would be awesome. So we had all these plans in place, and we planned on having uh, what we call the Share to Dream meeting. And so we were going to get everyone together and kind of share what God was doing and what God had laid on my heart and invite people to be a part of our launch team, invite people to invest financially. And we were going to do a vacation Bible school, and the plan was to start in September to have our launch September 15th. And so we planned on closing. It was supposed to close in like June 2013, and June came and went. And get a call from our lawyer's office in July, and he said that there was a major title issue with the church, and uh, basically the, the trail of ownership had been not done properly, and he said, this is a major issue. You're not going to be moving into this church anytime soon. Like he said, this, these things take months to happen, and there, was, it was, there wasn't even any clarity that it was ever going to happen. And so then I'm like, okay, God, where are we going? I mean, I got a launch team. I got a worship leader. We got plans in place. Now we don't have anywhere to go. We don't have any confirmation that we're ever going to have this building at this point. 
So it was a really rough week where I was just questioning, like, okay, God, maybe this is not your plan. You know, maybe I just need to go back to work. I was working in my parents' business, and so maybe I'll just work there indefinitely and see what happens. And then a week later, the lawyer calls up and says, this doesn't make any sense. Never seen anything like it. But one of the biggest title insurers in the country decide they're going to insure the title, and so you can move, on, move in on time. And so we did. We had all these events. We had the Share the Dream meeting. And I was really excited about it. I, I thought this was going to be like this amazing meeting where we were going to inspire people. And we just moved into the church, weren't able to really do anything. We, you know, it was a Lutheran church, and there's all, all of the stuff in there. We don't have any sound equipment. I remember our, Joel got up, and he sang a couple songs, just him in an acoustic guitar. Nobody could hear what he was singing at all. It was just, you know, we had no sound equipment. He was, the, he was the worship leader. He was the worship team at that point. And I remember just, you know, kind of sharing the vision with, some, with, with, with everyone who was there. And I remember there was a, a, somebody else who was supposed to kind of do the hook, to kind of draw people in and, and get people to, to, to commit to either serve with us or pray for us or give financially to help this work. And he gets up, and I'm expecting this really rousing, inspirational speech. And he gets up, and he says, I, I've looked at the numbers, and none of these numbers make any sense. This budget doesn't make any sense. And he says, unless God is in this, there's no way it's going to work. The part that was scary for me is, I mean, I wasn't happy hearing that. The part that was scary was I knew he was right. He was absolutely right. And so, you know, I, on the outside, I portrayed a lot of confidence, but inside, I'm asking that question, like, God, where are we going here? Like, am I in over my head? After that, we had a vacation Bible school. We had an incredible vacation Bible school. Uh, we had a farm theme. We had uh, a great setup, um, and we put on this great program for, like, two kids. I'm like, okay, God, is that what you want us to do? I mean, we got this great building, and you know, you've brought all these things together, but we got two kids. Then we had our launch, and, you know, we had a great turnout for our launch. Ended up with about 50 people after kind of the excitement roll, uh, you know, word off. And I remember starting the church, and I had a number of fears. The biggest fear that I had, though, that was that I was going to run out of things to say. I'm introverted, and so I thought maybe I'll get to a point where I don't have anything to preach upon. And, you know, people come to church, and I'll be like, okay. I've given everything I got. That's all. That's all. We're just going to sing like eight songs today. As you can see, I haven't run out of things to say. But that first year, it was incredibly difficult. We had some, you know, people on our team that maybe didn't have the same vision that we had. We had some kind of, um, you know, things that maybe I would have done differently, kind of some rookie mistakes, so to speak. Uh, we had somebody outside the church that had an issue with a couple members of our team, not necessarily with me or the church, but had an issue with some members of our team and just caused a bunch of trouble. And I remember after that, and all this is happening, and uh, I remember I was on the way home from a basketball game watching, it was, it was March, and, and it was when the, the NCAA was in Buffalo, and I was on the way back home. And I remember I had my first panic attack, only panic attack thankfully I've ever had. But I remember driving down the road, and as I was driving, you know, my, my whole body just from the, the, the head down just became paralyzed. or It felt like I was paralyzed. And as I'm driving, I'm like, can I even, you know, get over to the side of the road? Thankfully, I was able to. And I remember calling up my dad, and I was like, okay, Dad, 
I'm going. I'm dying. Better come get me. And so he came to get me and calmed me down. And, and thankfully, you know, once I calmed down, it was, it was fine. But I'm like, God, where are we headed here? Like, we have all of these things happening. I, I've put all of my life into this. And, and we're facing all of these different challenges. And it's like challenge after challenge after challenge after, you know, spiritual warfare after spiritual warfare. I'm like, God, where are we headed here? Eventually, things settled down. Things got better. But after a few years of being opened, our parsonage, the, the house next to the church, it sprung a massive leak. And now we knew from the beginning that we were going to have to replace our church roof and parsonage roof at some point, but it kind of came up on us pretty fast. And thankfully, due to God's faithfulness, we were able to raise enough money. You know, we had about $40,000 to replace the roof. And so we're like, okay, great, we have this money that we've been raising. And so then they come and do the, the you know, get ready to do the roof. And they're like, it's going to be about $15,000 more. That, that was huge for us. And I'm like, God, where are we going to get that money? Where, where are we headed here? Like, how do we get that $15,000? And so we started praying about it. Little did we know, at the time that we prayed about it, God laid it on, our heart, on the hearts of another church, the chapel, to give their Christmas Eve offering to us that year. And so in January, I got a call from someone from the chapel, and they said, we got a check for you for $15,000. I said, did somebody tell you, like, we needed a roof? Like, no. I mean, God just laid it on our hearts. I'm like, okay, I guess God knows what he's doing. Since the church had begun, we had been renting out the parsonage to help pay the bills. And uh, that was okay for a little bit. But in 2017, we discovered that uh, the tenant that was living in there had kind of not really taken very good care of the building. And it was in disrepair, to, to put it lightly. We were getting complaints from neighbors about the condition uh, of the building. And um, myself and a number of other people, some of you here, helped us kind of fix that up, painting and cleaning and doing all the things that were necessary. And we're like, okay, we're going to rent this out again. And so we put all this money into it, and we're not getting any, you know, income in from, you know, it, when we first started, it was like the parsonage, and uh, we had a, a community action program. They were renting, and that helped us offset the mortgage. And so at this time, we're not getting any income in. We're just putting money into this building. And uh, we hired a property manager because we just didn't want to deal with renting out, you know, renting, renting anymore. And so the property manager was going to take care of uh, finding somebody to rent the building, um, and taking care of all the other logistics. For some reason, they weren't able to find anybody. And so the house is just sitting there for like a year, and it gets to the winter time, and it's just, you know, we're paying to heat it and paying for the electric, and nobody's in it. We can't find anyone to rent it. It's just sitting there. About that time, me and my wife found out that we were pregnant. We lived in a cute little house in Tonawanda. We loved the house. But it had two bedrooms. One was on one side of the house, one was on the other, which wasn't really conducive to having a baby. And it was pretty far from our parents. So then we're thinking, there's this house right next to the church that's a lot bigger than the one that we're living in, and we haven't been able to rent it. Maybe God is doing something here. And so we ended up moving into that, that parsonage there. But over the years, as, as I've been a part of this journey, I've asked that question so many times, God, where we had it. Like when, uh, after a couple years of the church being open, my brother who started the church with me, who was in charge of the youth, felt like God was leading him in a different direction. 
Like, okay, God, where are we going? Or like when our worship, or our, our, our immediate guy, uh, his name was Luis, he was one of my closest friends, was in my wedding. He did everything for our media ministry, and then he told me that him and his family were moving out of town. Like, okay, God, where are we headed? And, and then another couple come, came, and they, they took over the media ministry, and they were, you know, great friends, and they did a great job there, and then they told me, we're moving out of town. Like, okay, God, where are we going? Or like when Joel came and told me that he was moving out of town. It's like, okay, God, where are we going? Well, I actually knew the answer to that one. Because prior to that, just prior to that, someone had reached out to me from the church and said, hey, there's this guy named Patrick Leahy. Um, he's not engaged in, in leading worship right now. And he might be a good guy to maybe fill in for Joel if he can't come in for something. And so Patrick and I just had started talking about him maybe you know, playing at church in the park or filling in from time to time. And then Joel, a couple months later, says, I'm leaving, moving out of town. And God's like, okay, here's your worship leader. Here he is. 2020, remember the, when the pandemic hit, we were closed from March till May 2020. And um, we're not an online church. We do, you know, we have online services now. But like at that point, especially, we weren't equipped to do things online. We're a community church. And um, we're like, what is this going to look like after this is all over? You know, and from March to May of that year, like, we're bringing in hardly anything in terms of tithing, not even enough to pay the bills to keep the lights on. And we're like, what's this going to look like? Are we going to be able to, we had reserves to, you know, survive in the, in the short term for a couple of years, but it's like, we can't do this forever. It's like, God, where are we going here? And then after that, you know, there was all the, the questions about the masks and the vaccines and all different controversies. And it's like, okay, God, like, where are we headed here? What, what's the, the end goal of, uh, of what we're going to see, what the church is going to be like in a few years? At the end of 2021, my grandfather went to be with Jesus. And not only was this a great personal loss, but it was also a loss for the church as well. My grandfather had been faithfully giving and helping support the church since the church opened. And, you know, we knew that he was, he was pretty sick. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, you know, we're in the midst of this pandemic. You know, a lot of people haven't come back. We're kind of struggling. We don't know what the future holds. And then, you know, this is going to be taken away from us as well. And so I'm like, God, where are we headed here? A couple months after he passed away, someone from outside of the church let me know that they had decided, they'd never given before to the church, and they decided that they were going to give the exact amount of money that my grandfather had been giving, given. And they didn't know what that number was. God knew what he was doing. In the spring of 2021, my wife, my son, and I were living in the house next to the, next to the church, the parsonage. And for whatever reason, my heart was just unsettled. Like, I, I don't, I, it's hard to describe. I just felt like everything was going good, but I was in the wrong place. And so I started doing all this stuff around the, the house, and like, I was planting trees in the parsonage, at the parsonage and fixing things up. And little did I know, we were. I was getting the, church, the parsonage ready to sell. But I'm asking that question, like, God, where are we headed here? I, like, I feel like something's happening in my heart. God is moving me somewhere, but I just don't know where he's taken me. A few months later, my wife's cousin announced they were moving out of town. 
Um, and one thing led to another. And between the time that we just kind of heard about this as a possibility to the time we moved into their house, it was about six weeks. And so God led us to their house. And then we're like, okay, we're going to sell the parsonage and use part of the proceeds to do some renovations in the church. And so, you know, I shared that with the congregation and with our board. Everyone was on board with it. Um, and so I'm like, okay, this is going to be easy. We'll just sell it. We can do all these incredible things and uh, reach more people for the gospel. But it wasn't that easy. We got to a point where, you know, there were a couple issues that we had. Number one, the, the church and the parsonage, they had one water line, so we had to separate those. And the line for the, the property line for the church went part of the way through the driveway of the parsonage. And so the church owned part of the driveway and the garage, and the parsonage, you know, that lot owned part of the driveway and the garage. So I'm thinking, okay, it's easy. We'll just go to the town, and I'll just ask them to change the lines. It's not that easy. There's a lot of red tapes and things that you know, make it impossible to do that. I remember talking to our lawyer and, like, telling him what we wanted to do, and he just he basically didn't give me any option. Like, yeah, you can't do this, you can't do that. I'm like, well, how do we sell this? Like, how do we get rid of this? This building, we don't want to rent it again. We don't want to have to deal with that. We just want to use the, the money for some renovations and to, to be able to do more. And eventually God led us through kind of a, a, a this crazy plan to be able to sell the parsonage. And in those moments where God, I was asking God, where are we going? God had a plan and eventually we were able to sell it and make the renovations that we wanted to make. This past winter, uh, our church board believed that we would have a new opportunity, an incredible opportunity to move into a new facility, a facility that offered a gymnasium and um, parking lot and a lot more opportunities. And unfortunately, that door was shut. The door was closed. And so it's not a possibility anymore. But after that happened, that question that came to my mind was like, okay, God, where are we going? And, and I asked you as a church, if you were here, uh, if you normally attend here, I asked those of us who normally attend to, to pray about that question and say, God, where are we headed? What do you have for us? And I wish I could be here and say, okay, I, I found the answer to that, but I haven't found the answer. I think we're still in that place. Like, God, where are we headed? Is our plan to stay in 316 Thompson Street indefinitely and do ministry there as long as we you know, are able to do that? Or do you have a new place for us? And so I think we're in that place where we're asking God still, like, God, where are we headed? But what I've learned through this church planning journey is that's exactly the place that we want to be. What I've learned in this past 10 years is that it's okay not to know the future. I wish I could tell you that I've been the perfect epitome of faith and faithfulness. I wish I could tell you as the challenges occurred in this church, and some of which I've told you about, some of which I haven't, I wish I could say every time that that happened, I just had resolute faith. But oftentimes when those things happened, I was like, God, where are we going now? Like, this doesn't make sense. Like, I had all these plans. I had all these things that, you know, were supposed to happen. And it seems like it's all falling apart. And oftentimes, I've been driven to fear and anxiety rather than trust. But I think there's one thing that God has been trying to teach me personally, and I think he tries to teach it to all of us over the last 10 years, and that is that he's faithful and he can be trusted. More than anything, that's what he's communicated to me in, in these past 10 years. 
See, the story of I hope is not the story of great faith. It's the story of a great God. And when our plans fall apart, when it seems like nothing in our world makes sense, we can turn around and say, okay, God, it wasn't this. This wasn't the plan you had for me. What's next? God, where are you taking me now? What's the next step? And we can say that with the confidence that he's leading us to a place that's good. Sometimes I think that we get too focused on the where. Like, where are we going? What's life going to look like a month or a year from now? Where are we headed? And rather than focusing so much on the where, I think we need to realize and focus on the who. Who are we going with? Here's the truth. God has a plan before we we have a clue. God writes the end from the beginning. He has a plan, but he often calls us to just take that first step. Martin Luther King Jr. once said that faith is is taking the first step when you don't see the staircase. That's what faith is. And oftentimes, he doesn't give us the whole plan. He just says, follow me. I, I love the story of Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, God comes to Abraham and he says, leave your home, leave your kindred, leave your father's house and go to the land that I will show you. He doesn't give him a full outline of what's going to happen to him. He doesn't tell him exactly where he's going. He says, go to the land that I will show you. And that's often what God does. He says, take the first step. Take the first step in obeying me. Then after that, in Genesis chapter 15, God makes a covenant with Abraham. And he comes to Abraham and he says, fear not. I am your shield. He says, your reward will be very great. He says, I'm your shield your reward will be very great. And then he goes and he outlines some of the things that he's going to do through Abraham and through Israel. And then he enters into a covenant with Abraham. And this covenant-making ceremony was something that was kind of typical of covenant-making ceremonies. A covenant was kind of like a contract, but more personal. And so what they would do is they would take animals, sacrifices, and they would cut them in half, and they would put one side on, on one side, one side on the other, and so they would enter into a covenant, and then they would walk through those, those dead animals. And it, and it was a symbol that if I'm obedient, if I keep my ends of the bargain, then there'll be blessings associated with this covenant. But if I don't, it, the symbol was, may I become like these animals? May, may my body be ripped apart if I'm not faithful to do what, my, what I've said I'm going to do? And so people would talk about, you know, it was a term like cutting a covenant. It was, that was kind of the, the practice that they would do this uh, more or less. But what's interesting in this passage in Genesis chapter 15 is in, that in Genesis chapter 15, when the covenant is made, when Abraham, uh, when, when this covenant is made between God and Abraham, Abraham is sleeping. And we see that the only one who walks through these animals is God. God's the only one who walks through. What does that mean? It means that he's going to be faithful. It means that even if Abraham is not faithful, even if Abraham fails to keep the covenant, God is going to be faithful, and he's going to take the curse of the covenant. That God is so determined to bless Abraham that even if it costs him his life, he's still going to bless him. And we see throughout Israel's history that Israel wasn't faithful to God. That Abraham's people were not faithful to God. And then we see hundreds of years later that Jesus is hanging on the cross, his body basically torn to shreds. 
and he's paying the curse of the covenant. That even though Israel wasn't faithful, God was faithful. That even though it would be costly, God would take that curse. And for those of us who are believers in Jesus, when we enter into a relationship with Jesus by faith, the blessing of Abraham is given to us. That is that God's favor is given to us, not based upon our works, but upon God's faithfulness. And we simply receive it as a gift. And that's why in Romans 8.28, Paul says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Elsewhere, he says that if God didn't spare his own son, he won't spare giving us any good thing. And so as believers in Jesus... If we figured out the who question, if we figured out who we're going with, if we're going on this journey with God, the where isn't as important. Because we know that wherever God is leading us, we know he's leading us to someplace good. Being the pastor and planting I Hope Community Church has been the adventure of a lifetime. And when I say that, I'm not saying it's just like a job or a task. It is a job and a task. But really, it's been about a relationship. And through all of these things that have happened, God has proved his faithfulness again and again and again. And, you know, I think about this story, and because I hope is kind of a public thing, I mean, everyone who is here has been impacted some way by I hope and the fact that you're here. And so it's a public thing, and so I have the privilege to kind of share this story because many of us have been a part of this story. But I feel like God actually has an adventure for each and every one of us. God has a story that he's writing for each and every one of us. And if we were to go around and talk to to, to many here, there are many of you who could share story after story of like similar things where I was questioning like, God, where are we going? And God says, I'm here. I've got a plan. I'm faithful. And so I believe that God has a great adventure for each and every one of us. It might not mean planning a church. It might be leading a family or, or investing in a career or investing in other relationships. And so it's not necessarily planning a church, but God has a great adventure for each and every one of us. But I think the problem sometimes is that we're not able to live that great adventure that God has for us because we're focused on our own plans. We're focused on our own plans. And we're so focused on our own plans that we're not willing to say yes to what God has for us. Uh, My pastor growing up, Pastor Jerry from the chapel, used to always talk about this idea of of having your yes on the table. And and what that means is that before God asks you to do something, your answer is already yes. Like, okay, God, I'm here. I'm following you. Wherever you want me to go, the answer is yes. Yes. And until we get to that place where we're, our hearts are open to do what God calls us to do, we're not going to live that great adventure. We'll be living our own plan. But when we say yes to God, I mean, it's scary. It's scary to say yes to God because he's going to probably call you to do something you can't do by yourself. You know, our plans are manageable. Our plans are small. But he's going to probably call you to do some things that are crazy, things that you can't do by yourself. And he's going to call you to do some things that are hard, probably. There's going to be times where you're going to, everything within you is going to want to give up. Everything that's within you is going to want to turn around and walk away. But if you continue to follow him, 
if you continue to trust him. You'll look back, maybe it's a year down the road or five years down the road or 10 years down the road, or maybe it takes a lifetime. And you'll look back and say, wow, my God was faithful. You'll look back and you'll see the fingerprints that he's, he has on our story, that he's the author that's writing our story. And so my encouragement for those of us who are believers in Jesus, be faithful to God, what God has for you today. Be faithful today. We don't know what the future holds. For us as a church, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what it holds for you know, a, a year down the road. When I remember when the church first started, I, I mean, thinking of getting to 10 years, like, I didn't know if it would happen. Like, I remember that first season, I mean, it was really rough, and I'm like, are we going to make it to a year or two? We don't know what the future holds. And we're in that place where we're like, okay, God, where are we headed? And, and we want to do life with you. We want to go with you. Whatever you have for us, whatever plan is on your heart, that's what we want to be a part of. And so as a church, we want to genuinely love God. We want to authentically love people, and we want to listen to his spirit as we move forward. Some of us here, though, maybe, maybe we've been focused on the where question our whole life. Maybe we've been focused on that where question, and, and all we've been thinking about is just kind of like, what's the next stage in my life? Like, what am I going to be working for? And we've never settled that question, who am I doing it with? Who am I going with? God has a great adventure in store for each and every one of us. Jesus came and died on the cross, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, so that we could spend forever with him. The Bible says that the wages of sin is, is death. And because of our sin, if nothing else changes, we're headed for an eternity separated from God in the place the Bible calls hell. And Jesus came to the earth. He died on the cross. He rose again so that we could live that great adventure with him so that we could have a relationship with him. Not just do a task, but that we could live life with him, that we could experience the joy of knowing him. And we get to experience that great adventure today, but also it culminates in forever with him in heaven. God has a story that he's writing for each and every one of us. And the question is, will we go with him? Will we follow with him? When he calls us and says, follow me, will we follow? The Bible says the way that we enter into a relationship with Christ is by repentance and faith. Repentance means turning from the direction that we're going, turning from our sin, turning from our small dreams, turning from our manageable life. And faith is turning to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I need you. I need you to forgive me. I need you to sustain me. I need you to guide me as I go throughout my life. Let's pray together. Uh, with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe there's someone here who you've never settled that question, who am I living life with? Today is the day to settle that question. Today is the day that you can enter into that great adventure with Jesus. And if that's you, I'd invite you to maybe pray something like this in your heart. It's not a magical prayer. It's not, it's not there's no magic in the words. It's simply an expression of your heart in the beginning, perhaps, of that great adventure with God. You might say something like this, God, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I know that I've too often gone my own way. I've too often had plans apart from you. But God, I believe that you came to the earth to die for me. 
and that you rose again. Jesus, please come into my life. Please forgive me for my sins. Please change me into the person that you want me to be. Say, Jesus, I want to start this great adventure with you today. Lord, I want your fingerprints to be on my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here, you're here and you prayed that prayer, I'd invite you. Talk to myself, talk to Mike, Pastor Mike, talk to Patrick. Make sure you don't leave this place without sharing that with somebody. We'd love to get some resources in your hands to help you on your journey of faith. Now we're going to sing one last song. It's a song that we actually sang at the first service that we ever had. It's called God of the City. And as we sing this song, it's just an anthem of, of who we are as a church, that we believe that God has great things in store for this city. That you're the God of this city. You're the King of these nations. You're the Lord of the nations. There's no one like our God. One last story. I, I remember when I first was starting the church, I was looking for people to be a part of the launch team, and I remember meeting with an individual who um, had served in ministry and um, some other capacity. I didn't really know him, but he was recommended to me. And I remember sit, sitting down and having coffee with him and sharing kind of my dream for I Hope Community Church. And, and for me, it was like, we want to be about Jesus. We want to be about the gospel. We want to be about the cross and the resurrection. And we want everything that we do to be centered around those things. And I remember him hearing my plans and him just tearing them apart. And I remember him just saying something like this. I remember him saying, the gospel isn't enough. You have to have something more. The gospel isn't enough. You have to have some clever program. You have to have some clever marketing. The gospel isn't enough. But we're here today, 10 years later. I'd like to say Jesus is enough. He's enough for us. The gospel is enough. He's worth basing our lives on. He's worth giving everything for. Jesus is enough. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this day. We thank you for 10 years of serving you. Lord, we thank you that you are enough for us. We thank you for your faithfulness in the hard times and also in the good times, Lord. Lord, lead us to the place that you have us as a church. And Lord, I pray that every person here, no matter where they find themselves in life, I just pray that they would live this great adventure with you, following you, loving you, and finding joy in you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.